0: Today's message is called The Antidote for Disappointment. The Antidote for Disappointment. Um, Because I want to talk to you today, again, from God's Word. And it could feel like, oh my goodness, but the truth is, we all have to navigate disappointment. We all have to navigate distractions. And we all have to navigate discouragement. Have you ever been discouraged? Have you ever been distracted? Have you ever been disappointed? Most response I've ever had in my church, ever. (laughs) Okay, maybe this message could help. Let me read from Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 5. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege, a new relationship where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. Romans was written by the Apostle Paul. Most scholars would agree on that. And it was written to believers in Rome. And he wanted to reassure them, let them know that their faith was real, that the Saviour they followed was real, and that they would be able to endure and develop character no matter how tough it was. They were facing hardship. Living in a city like Rome, sometimes I'm like this. I've been to Rome many times, but I wish I could be in Rome, the ancient Rome. Does anyone else know what I'm talking about? I must watch a Roman documentary or professor on Roman history every month. I am fascinated by Greek and Roman civilization. I'm constantly looking at it, studying it. But one thing I know about Paul, he is speaking hope into God's people who are living in a very uh, urban or probably one of the most urban centers of the world at that time, population wise. It was busy, messy, smelly. Kreuzberg doesn't even come close. And Paul's writing and speaking into their hearts and saying, this is who you belong to. This is what He's done for you. And this is where you can go because of the faith that you have in Christ. And he says something to them that we still need to hear today. You have a faith in Jesus that will never disappoint you. And so we need to navigate disappointment because we do get disappointed. They would have been disappointed. They would have been distracted. They would have faced discouragement. Uh, The Jewish people that were following Jesus, Jewish Christians, they were expelled from the city the Gentile followers of Christ, those who didn't follow Jewish traditions or ways or cultural uh, narratives, they were basically left to build the church in Rome. So when Paul is writing this letter to the believers in Rome, was he writing to Jewish Christians? Possibly, maybe not, maybe he was, or maybe he was just writing to people like you and I who just needed to know that we're not crazy and we're not gonna give up. And He was writing something to them to say, you can and you should hold on to the Saviour that you have because He will not disappoint you. And I believe it's important we understand and connect the dots because it's not just an ancient letter that how does that bear any resemblance to us? I believe right now we need to be encouraged with God's Word because we could be or are facing all of these things. I believe when relationships, face challenge, what strengthens any relationship is not the absence of problems. It's the presence of problems. You never grow uh, when life is comfortable. We all grow when there's challenges. We get a prayer request every week for exams. Every week we're praying for someone to pass the exams. Who loves exams? I've never met anyone. Now, there might be one or two because the world is interesting, but I've never met anyone that said, oh, I just love exams, bring them on. I've met some interesting people, but I haven't met anyone like that yet. But what do we feel like when we've passed the exam? (laughs) In other words, these challenges that we face, exams that we face, tests and trials, Bumps in the road, the twists and the turns, the ups and the downs. They actually can build more into us than we could ever imagine if you will allow God's wisdom to prevail in your life. Human nature does not want problems. I don't think it's healthy to say, bring it on, bring it on, bring it on. There are some unusual people that will climb mountains and jump off bridges and and jump into places that most of us don't even wanna look at. And that's because God has created unique diversity in all of us, but what I am trying to say to you is that that there is strength on the other side of whatever it it is you're facing. There's gonna be strength on the other side of that trial. There's gonna be strength on the other side of that test. There's gonna be so much wisdom that's gonna come your way on the other side The challenge for you and I is we've got to go to the other side. We've got to go through it. By removing it, we don't strengthen ourselves. We possibly weaken ourselves. I would never wish for problems for our church, and yet we've had many. I wish we would never have a venue problem, and yet we've had over 150 venues in the last 11 years or 12 years. I'm an ambitious guy in lots of things, but I don't want to have a record of venues. I'm competitive in every way possible, but that's not something I find anyone wanting to have a competition with me. Now we need to find a home and we need to find a place that we can say, this is ours. But we gotta remember strengthening relationships can happen, not because we avoid problems, it's because we actually know how to deal with it. The thing we're facing as a church globally right now with something that you would never want or even really can even conceive founder of Hillsong Church, and and, and we're in it. We're facing it. How we handle it, how we deal with it, how we come through this, I believe is going to say so much about where our faith really is. Let it be said that it's in Jesus. Let it be said that our faith is real and it's got substance to it. We've all felt sometimes the, the pain of putting our faith in the wrong places, putting our faith in the wrong people. Sometimes we trust our work and our businesses and our careers way too much. Sometimes we can trust our partners even too much. You're never supposed to be everything to someone. That's why we need a Savior called Jesus. I want to be a good husband to Joyce, but I fail her sometimes, especially on her birthdays. But she constantly forgives me. What a good wife. But Joyce can not be everything that I need her to be. I have to have a Savior in my life. You might have great friends in your life, but they're not Jesus. Even if they look like Jesus, they're not Jesus. Even if their name is Jesus from Mexico, they're not Jesus. What would happen if everything went our way? What if there was never a disagreement or a problem in life? What if John Lennon was right? No one knows him. he was part of the Beatles. What makes sense is that there's not no problems. It's that we're better on the other side. Friendship is never friendship until it's tested. I think we've got to remind ourselves, if you want good friends in your life, they've got to be tested. Marriage is not all about things being perfect. It's a commitment to stay together and to work things out no matter how difficult. That's why I believe marriage is a small picture of our ultimate picture that we have with Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you're like, wanted to be married, but you're not married. But listen, if you know Jesus, you're married to Jesus, if you could say that. He's got you, you've got him, and it's like a relationship. Um, No matter how difficult it is or how challenging it is, we stay together. Find a way to work it out. Good news is with Jesus, though, is he's perfect. That could be frustrating in some ways, but really the truth is it's actually so reassuring. So reassuring to know that he never fails. And I think that's something we need to consider. He has saved us, he has called us, he has positioned us in the very safest place we could ever imagine. I think what we need to do, though, is to be honest. We need to stay connected to Christ. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? And don't be flippant with it because a lot of people think they have, but they don't. They have an image, but they don't have the person. They have the picture of Jesus, they just don't have the person of Jesus. The person's always better than the picture. People have gone back to tradition, their old ways, their old habits old religion, old stories, and it's not going to help. We need to hold on to something new, and God is new every day. He's never old. His bread is fresh every day. We need to stay connected to the church, though that is challenging at every level because the church is you and me, flawed people trying to figure out how to walk with Jesus and how to walk with each other. Oh, my goodness. But there is no strength in leaving the church. Yet many do. But it doesn't solve anything. If anything, it makes it more complicated and more problematic. Do you have a healthy community group that you can be a part of? Are you diligent about it? Are you seeking to get yourself surrounded by people that can help you? Do we have the depth and the breadth, the maturity of leaders in our house that we are trying desperately to cultivate for people to have a safe community group? It's not easy. We've tried, 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 tried again, tried again, but sometimes people don't want to to learn. And and so we have to be diligent about who our leaders are. They need to be trustworthy people. We need to be trustworthy people. We need to be safe people because people need a community group they're safe in. And so it is a leadership role in our church. It will always be a leadership role in our church. Why? Because it's something that can help lift people to a better place. And so, yeah, our vision is to have more community groups. And maybe we're waiting for you to step up. Maybe we're waiting for you to be trained. Maybe we're waiting for you to say, I can do that. Or maybe we're waiting for you to say, you know what? my apartment's too small but I've made a decision to get a bigger one so I can host a community group. We used to have prayer requests like that and we used to have praise reports like that. Can we bring it back in Jesus' name? There is no future if we just keep thinking about ourselves. You know what's beautiful about this moment right now in Berlin, our neighbours contacted us, you know, and have you got a mattress? We, we've we got some people from Hoponov, from Ukraine, coming to stay with us for the next two nights. We need another mattress. and So Joyce sent me down to the Keller. Mm-hmm. And uh, to get the mattress, to bring it up. And um, it was just so nice that we can help each other in the most simplest ways. And our neighbors said to us, they said, oh, we haven't seen you lately. Where have you been? And I said, oh, well, we've actually been in Warsaw, you know, obviously doing. We've got a church in Ukraine and we've got a church in Russia. And, and they know we're followers of Christ. They know we're Christians. I don't know whether they know we're pastors, but every time there's been an opening and opening and opening and opening. And they're like, oh, wow. And this was good because for the first time, they could possibly see what we were doing in a way they could rationalize and understand. And that was just so encouraging because you know what? We found common ground and that was helping others. My prayer is that we'll understand that being a part of the church is still the answer because Jesus said it is His answer. It's His solution. Our challenge is how do we help each other? How do we forgive each other? How do we seek to understand each other? You need to understand yourself and you need to begin to understand others. And as a leader, that is absolutely important. Self-awareness is something that is needed in this story. And we need to stay connected to people. Do you have the healthy, godly friendships that you need to move forward? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? It's a great question. Do you have a healthy community group? It's a great question. Do you have healthy, godly friendships? I believe these are important questions. Proverbs 13, verse 20 says this, become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. Does anyone want their life to fall to pieces? I don't think anyone wants their life to fall to pieces, but this is what biblical wisdom says. Become wise by walking with the wise. You can podcast yourself up, but that doesn't make you wise. You've got to now live that podcast somewhere tangibly with real flawed people just like you, just like me. I'm all for input. I'm all for development. I'm all for amazing, amazing people who use their intelligence and their strengths and their depth and breadth to help us. But you've got to walk it out with broken people, insecure people. Fearful people. If you really knew me, would you reject me? All of us have something within us that we want no one to know about. That's why we need Jesus, because He's safe for all of us. You are safe with Jesus. He knows every detail, but He is the one that still walks with us, talks with us, covers us, lifts us, surrounds us. That's why our message should always be Jesus. It's not self-help there's some elements that could be good, it's not mindfulness because it's still depending on you. It's better than that. It's bigger than that. It's more sustainable than that. And that is, it's a person called Jesus. Wisdom is about humility and identity, not knowledge. It's not knowledge that makes you humble. <laughs> it's 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 wisdom. Is about humility and identity. When you know who you are and you know that you're loved by God and you belong to Him and He belongs to you, there is a great chance for humility and for wisdom to take its course. Be hungry for that. The key to all relationships is a healthy you. Unhealthy you puts extra stress on all relationships. And this is what I love about the house of God. So this is where I want to finish it today. And I know it's a very different message. It's a very different tone. I'm not normally a sitter. I'm usually a stander and a shouter. But I can adapt. Three things I think we all have to navigate, which I've already referred to as disappointment. So my question to everyone today, and I know it's more reflective and it's definitely more thoughtful in this way. But who has disappointed you? What has disappointed you? Why are you disappointed? What's the antidote to disappointment? Who are you surrounded by when you face disappointment? Do you have healthy friends and a community? Because I believe this is the antidote to disappointment. The second thing that I wanted to highlight today is distractions. They're real. They happen to all of us. The biggest one I think we all have to face is our phone on a multiple second basis. I mean, we look at our phones within 15 seconds and we're like, why did I look at my phone? I don't know, because I just create a habit now. My brain just says, do it, do it, do it. You've already seen Instagram. You've already flipped through. You've already likened that. You've already unfollowed them. You've already blocked this person. You've already sent that email. You've already typed with your thumbs and your fingers and your nails. And I don't know how people do that. I'm still with the one finger button pressing. And I still get it wrong. But listen to me, what's distracting you? What are you distracted by? Are you distracted by social media? Are you distracted by negativity? Are you distracted by the algorithms of our constant feeds today? Do you even know where the source of your media is coming from? Do you know, even know who you're? I have not followed any news, hardly any news in this last month. I've listened to professors, I've listened to experts, I've listened to people who are informed, I've listened to people who are intelligent, people who can bring perspective from both sides of the spectrum. I've done my best to feed myself on things that are going to prove to be helpful and hopeful. But if I feed on that media, I'm telling you I am like I am not I am not in a good place. You need to know what to listen to. And I'm telling you, this is not a season to listen to the wrong voices, to the noises. You need to listen to His voice. and Let that voice help you to navigate difficult waters. But what is distracting you? I think it's a great question. Are you willing to ask it? Who is distracting you? What is distracting you? Why have your eyes moved away to something else or someone else? There is no one better than Jesus. No one better than Jesus. Is there anyone better than Jesus? Your boyfriend might be good looking, but he's not Jesus. Your girlfriend might be amazing and just absolutely sweet and kind. She's not Jesus. Your job might be amazing and pays well. Your boss might even be non-autocratic and open-minded and... Discussable and friendly and kind-hearted. We'd all want a boss like that. But the truth is, you might have the amazing job, but listen to me, it can't save you. Whatever we do, whatever we have, it's not meant to distract us from Jesus. I believe the antidote for distraction is, who are you surrounded by when you face distractions? Do you have the friends and the community that can help you? to overcome your distractions? Have you got anyone in your life that can point you back to what got you attracted to Jesus in the first place? Can you remember what it was like when you first said yes to Jesus? Can you remember why? Can you remember how much peace he brought? Can you remember how much love he filled your love tank with, amen? We've all got love languages and I'm telling you, Jesus speaks every single one of them. You need someone who can point you back to what first attracted you to Jesus. If you've drifted and it is possible, we need to get back. And the final one is discouragements. (laughs) I thought I was a person that was undiscourageable until I started building a church in Berlin. What is discouragement? It's the loss of courage. You lose courage. Who has discouraged you? What has discouraged you? Why are you discouraged? It can happen to any of us. I am a person who now has become very aware that I actually also face discouragement. I lose courage, but only temporarily. (laughs) I'm a fighter. the Irish love to fight. Not each other, but with Jesus, I believe we're fighting the right things. And I know sometimes I say things like that and you're like, well, that's problematic. Yeah, I'm joking with you if I can. I'm just trying to say that God knew how to put the right people in Berlin. Not just me and Joyce, an Irish guy married to an Indian girl. He put us in Berlin I believe together with you, equally unusual people in the most endearing way. But I believe God does know how to put all of us right where He needs us. Our challenge is, is to accept it, honor it, respect it, see it, value it, and let God do what only He can do through it. And that's why I'm confident that He will still build His church even with a very difficult time in our own Hillsong story. I believe this year as I framed it in the way I felt to frame this year is going to be a significant year. And I said that word because it can go both ways. And at moment it is very significant because of what's going on. But I believe we will get to the end of it and I believe things will be much better. And that doesn't mean that we shortcut healing, we shortcut there's no excuses. There's no one trying to blame here because it's gonna be problematic if the blaming continues. The healing cannot start. But if you want healing to start, the blaming has got to stop. And But Jesus gives us the perfect example. He said, all of the problems of the world I now put on me. Father, put all that's wrong with humanity on me. All the sin, all the rebellion, all the pain, all the brokenness, all the hatred, all the venom, everything that is ugly, everything that is hurtful, everything that is destructive, everything that is not what You intended, please, Father, put it on me. I will absorb it. I will carry it. I will pay that price that no man, no woman, no government, no politician, no academia, no intellect, no person can carry but me alone. I will be that sacrifice. And He said, Father, put the blame on me so the healing can start. So the healing can start. That is our story. That is our gospel. That's what builds the church. That's what will keep you. That's what will keep me. And that's what will keep us through all of the twists and turns. And that's what's going to help us. It's called the antidote to any problem we face. And the antidote is Jesus. It always, always will be. And it always has been. And my prayer is that he will be real for you. And I pray that he will be all over you. And I pray that you will know him like you've never known him. I pray that you will draw closer to him, to, to him that you've never drawn close to before. If you know him, that you will stay with him. And if you don't know him, you will come to know him because he is the one that we desperately need. And my prayer is it's the one that we want more than anyone else. We thank you, Jesus, that you are towards each and every one of us, that you have never abandoned us, you have never forgotten us, and you have never, and you've promised us that you will never forsake us. And So, Father, we just say thank you for giving us your very best. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you can do the thing that only you can do. You can help us to see Jesus in all of who He is, the truth of who He is. He is our Savior. He is our Redeemer. He is our Healer. He is our Restorer. If everyone could close your eyes right now, and especially again, those who are joining on Zoom, if you could join us in this moment as well. And this is a prayer of salvation. It's a prayer that I believe comes from our hearts. We express it with tangible words that just literally say, We are calling upon the name of Jesus for salvation, for forgiveness of sins. We're acknowledging that He died on the cross for us, that He absorbed all that's wrong with us, all the pain, all the sin, all that is rebellious, whatever it is. Even if you feel like you've never done anything wrong, but whatever it is, that still doesn't measure up to perfection and divinity. Jesus has closed that gap. This is not a story of good and bad. This is a story about pride and humility. Whoever is humble enough to call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Pride keeps us going in the wrong direction, sometimes too long in the wrong direction. Pride always looks to self instead of looking to God, whereas humility is willing to look to Jesus. That's why humility is such a transformer. It's such a restorer. And I pray that we will allow our hearts to be surrendered to His grace and His mercy. So come on, let's pray this prayer out loud. I believe the prayer is important because it helps us to declare that we are calling upon the name of Jesus and the Holy Spirit will literally work with that prayer and if not already, is working in the hearts of people, helping us to see, helping us to be restored, helping the spirit that we are Come alive to all that Jesus is. It is spirit to spirit in Jesus' name. So come on, let's pray out loud. Dear Jesus, thank you for saving me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving me. And thank you for forgiving me. And thank you for forgiving me. Of all my sins, of all my sins, past, present, and future. Past, present, and future. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you died on the cross. For me. And I believe you rose again from the dead for me. I believe you rose again from the dead. To give my life a hope to give my life a, a, heart, sense a sense of meaning and purpose. And purpose. Today, Jesus, today, Jesus, I declare you, I declare as, you my Lord and Savior, as my Lord and Savior, the lover of my soul, the, of my the, soul, healer, of my life, the healer of my life. In Jesus' name, in Jesus name amen. 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 If you've prayed that prayer today, every eye closed, those on Zoom, if you've prayed this prayer with me today, we've prayed this together. If you've prayed that prayer sincerely from your heart, maybe you've done this for the first time, maybe for you it's, it's a reset moment where you're just like, well, I know I needed to get back to that personal relationship with Jesus. I've done this before, but today I needed to get back rightfully to that place where I know I belong, that safe place with Jesus. If you've prayed it sincerely today, I'm gonna count to three you just lift your hand nice and high. You on Zoom as well. For those who are joining us on Zoom, wherever you are, just lift your hand. Uh, When I count to three, just to acknowledge that today I've made my peace with Jesus. One, two, three. Just lift your hand. Just lift your hand. Wherever you are, just lift it nice and high and say, today, that was me. I needed to hear that. I needed to pray that prayer. I needed to get right with Jesus today, amen. Father, I pray for every hand lifted, for every heart that has recalled upon Your Name today, Father, we commit them to You, Father. We ask You'll keep them safe, Father. Surround them, Lord, with Your amazing grace and mercy and love, Father. Help all of us to be the community of faith that we need to be. Help us all to stand together, Father, at a difficult time. Help us to look to You every way, every step of this journey. In Jesus' Name, Father, we thank You and we declare Declare Your goodness and mercy over every family, every household in Jesus' Name. And everyone said together,